You are listening to episode 67 of the Tennis Files podcast with special guest Leon Vessels. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. I'm really happy to have you back and listening to another great episode, and this time... I'll be speaking with Leon Vessels, who has practiced with some of the greatest players in the world. Uh, I first saw him at the City Open a couple years ago, noticed him frequently playing with great players such as Alexander Zverev, uh, Alexander Dolgopolov, and many others, uh, both on the WTA and ATP Tours. And uh, I I saw him walking the grounds uh, a month ago, uh, and just stopped him and asked him if he'd like to be on the podcast, and he graciously said yes, and really happy to have linked up uh, and appreciate Leon spending some time out of his day uh, from L.A. to speak with me about his experiences you know, in his tennis career and then how he became a practice partner, which I think is a really neat story and uh, just amazing how he's able to elevate his game so that he can give great practices to the greatest players on the planet. So uh, I hope you enjoy this interview uh, with Leon Vessels. And without further ado, here's my interview with Leon. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. It's uh, really an honor and a pleasure to have Leon Vessels on the podcast today. Uh, I actually met Leon while watching the City Open this past year. I've noticed over the years of watching the, uh, the this tournament in D.C. that Leon has been practicing with some of the greatest players on the planet. And so I figured it would be really, uh, really fun to just kind of dive deep into uh, what Leon, uh, what his life is like, you know, as a practice partner. And so just a brief background uh, regarding Leon. He was a an All-Met, which is All-Metro, uh, honorable mention for uh, while playing at DeMatha High School. Uh, he was a highly ranked junior growing up. And uh, Leon also graduated from Hampton University in 2010. Uh, so I think that you're probably about uh, 30 years old, Leon. Is that right? Yeah, 31. 30, 31. Turned 31 in August. Oh, yep. I got you. Cool. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, and also, like I mentioned, you know, Le- uh, Leon is just hit with some incredible players. Uh, Leon, did it, did I see you practicing with, uh, with, uh, Shasta uh, Zverev, uh, before his finals, man? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, practiced with Zverev twice, man. Um, good dude, man. Pretty good hit. You know, also practiced with Tiffy Pots. They played each other in like the semifinals of that, uh, tournament. So, it was a little nerve-wracking to watch two guys that you uh, grow a relationship with go play each other, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just really so cool. I mean, because uh, in a way, this this gives like people hope that, all right, you know, maybe if I don't make the Pro Tour, I could at least have like a, a incredible experience like, like Leon has had. Because, I mean, you know, I guess we'll get into it later, Leon, but, you know, like you didn't play... 
uh, college because I know you're a little burned out and everything, but you still were able to get back to a level where um, you were able to practice with some great players. So uh, just to get it started with to learn about your career, I was wondering how you got your start playing tennis. Uh, all right. So started playing when I was six years old. I was like a multi-sport athlete at the time, playing a little bit of uh, football, a little bit of soccer, you know, uh, I played basketball too, but, um, I think it was like when I was six and I was playing on these teams and stuff like that, I was pretty much getting tired of working hard or always looking like I'm working the hard. Having to be the leader when I was the smallest kid on every team I played. And I just, um, my grandmother was like concerned about my, my health as a, an adult growing up being injured. Like she's like, football is too dangerous and uh, he should play tennis. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to play tennis. I'm, like football is my first love sport. So I'm like really good at it, always was. But um, once I started playing tennis, man, it's like I had the football mentality and it was just like one-on-one. So it was almost like a game of one-on-one basketball where, you know, if you make, if you lose, you can only blame yourself. You can't look at the next man and say, oh, you wasn't trying harder than me or you didn't play good this day. or So it was just um, naturally was good at tennis, man, like getting the ball over the net. I would probably hit like, I think my first day playing, I was hitting like all moon balls. Like it was like, don't hit any ball in the net. I probably like, Missed one ball on my first day, you know, like in the net. But I just had the common sense to know, like, if they said get it over the net, at least, you know, hit it this high over or, you know, try to get it to land in the middle of the court. So after then, man, the sky was the limit, you know, looking up to a lot of kids from the adults now. But as we were juniors and older kids when I was old, uh, like Demisa, Mm-hmm. and uh, Coney's and we had Sinead Perry there so this is a lot of people to look up to and I just mimicked their game a little bit and created my own game and next thing you know I was a tennis player. Yeah that's amazing Leon and uh, obviously it's really helpful that you played other sports too because I mean that you know it helps you become a great athlete which helps so much uh, in tennis and just a quick side question uh, are, are you a Washington Redskins fan? Oh man, Washington Redskins, Caps, you know, Wizards. I'm supporting everybody back home, man. I, I'm just a little upset the Mystics then pushed through, but of course, mm-hmm. I love the Redskins. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, they uh, it's a good start so far. Two and one had a nice, uh, nice victory last weekend. So, uh, it's looking. Oh, uh, that's just because the NFL was weird, man. We don't know what's <laughs> going to happen right now. It's super <laughs> weird right now, right? Yeah, that is We're true. Still used to being like zero and three or like one and two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's usually a rough ride, but you know we're still faithful, so that's that's the main thing. But um, but Leon, you know when you transitioned to tennis and then you're you're loving the game, uh, what was your ultimate goal uh, in tennis when you were a junior? Um, my ultimate goal was to get something out of it. I mean, I always did, you know, as it being of a a one on one sport. It, it taught me about life at a very early age. You know, like uh, I've been through a lot, man. Not not here for a sob story, but, you know, lost a few family members that, you know, most people wouldn't be able to function without their, you know, their mom or their dad. But me, on the other hand, it, it helped me become an adult, you know, like uh, 
Like you're out there on your own. You got to make choices on your own. You know, it's always good to have support, but the only support you're going to get in tennis is from your coaches and your family, maybe some friends when you don't have to play them, you know. And uh, the thing is, uh, you know, it just helped me out with life. I knew, like, when I picked up a racket, like, this was, you know, my coaches were great guys. And I was like, man, these guys are living a, a good life, you know. There weren't any doctors or uh, lawyers or, you know, they wasn't the richest, but they showed me that, you know, hard work can get you a lot of places and they end up buying houses and nice cars and stuff like that. So I'm like, you know, it's always good to give back, you know, right now. That's what I do now. I'm teaching tennis. I've been teaching uh, across, you know, different state to state from Georgia, Florida. Now I'm in California. So um, now it's just my part of giving back, man. And, um, I really appreciate that. You know, it helps you become a better person, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I uh, really love having people like uh, you, passionate people in the game. Uh, always, always need people like that. And, and so uh, as far as your junior career, I mean, I, you, you know, uh, mentioned some great players uh, that I'm uh, pretty much all familiar with in the area here uh, in the DC area, but where did you uh, train as a junior? Oh man. Um, all right, so originally I started at 16th Street, caught at Barron. Um, it was called the Washington Tennis Foundation, now known as Washington Tennis and Education Foundation. And um, as time went on, you know, like, I don't come from money. So, I mean, the tennis center, that's what I call it, the WTF, they were always going to be there for me, but it's kind of like you outgrow some programs and you got to go try to find yourself and develop your game to a better game. So, you know, I ended up going to Bullis with Jack Shore. I used to work with um, Roswell Lightfoot, who was one of WTF coaches. He's always a life coach to me today. Still talk to him. Um, Martin Blackman was a coach at AU. I used to work with him. Uh, also, JTCC, College Park, originally when it started, you know, one – one of my great friends, man, Charlie Brody, he, he's the reason for that. And uh, I appreciate that kid a lot. You know, I don't talk to him that much, but uh, do appreciate him, his dad, you know, RIP to Jason Rainier. That was um, Charlie's coach at the time, but uh, I had played Charlie at a tournament and I was uh, kicking his butt pretty bad, man. And uh, Jason was like, man, this kid is tough, man. Like this is, what he was telling uh, Charlie Brody's dad, like, this is what your son needs. You know, he needs to be tough like this kid. Like, this kid, he he knew from day one, like, I didn't have any tennis coach. You know, I didn't really practice every day like every player. But if I had that, I could have probably been on another level, you know. So, and um, I think once Jason passed, like, a lot of us that he were coaching that were real good probably lost interest in the game a little bit. So, that's probably like around – you know, the end of my juniors into college. And that's probably another reason why I was like, ah, just, just go out here and live life a little bit. All you've done since you were six years old is play tennis nonstop. You know, you don't really have a social life. You know, you're going to college now. Not like you're playing tennis for yourself. You're playing for a school. It's a little different there. So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, those 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 people had a big impact on me. I mean, I played a lot of places. I probably missed a few as far as, like, uh, a few practices out. Um, Virginia, 
Baltimore with a few coaches. So I've been all over the place. I, I think a lot of players know and understand that your home is your home, but you got to branch away from it and, you know, go train with a different coaches, see if they can help you get better here, or there, or whatever, you know? Yeah, exactly. You got to do what you got to do to get that variety in your game and, and, you know, practice against all different types of players. So that's, that's great to hear. And, and so, I mean, with the decision to not play in college, I mean, this is definitely, you know, somewhat common. Did you, did you explore the team at all? Or did you kind of like, even before you set foot on campus, did you just decide that you would just kind of take a, take a break and not play? Honestly, I was, I was supposed to play school tennis and, uh, I don't know if it was my focus or, you know, I just, I just wasn't as passionate about it. You know, I was coming up with excuses of why not to, to play. I mean, I would go to practice and as an athlete, like when it, me as an athlete, I'm competitive all the way around. You know, if it's who's going to drink the water the fastest or who's going to run their sprints the fastest, it's, it's always going to be me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's in the back of my head. So when I got to Hampton, the coach was a little, you know, he wasn't that focused on tennis. You know, he was worried about a different, couple other different things. And I just couldn't, you know, respond well to that, you know. So I just was like, hey, man, I got to worry about myself, try to get this education as much as I can. And I pretty much, like, you know, snuck my way through school just supposedly trying to be a tennis player, you know what I mean? Uh, was supposed to go to Clemson and then I end up going to Hampton because you know my family losses I need to be a little closer to home I had some stuff going on so it was just uh I just think yeah everybody has their route you know and I kind of wish I did play you know uh tennis in college but um it's not the end of the world you know like I feel like the kids that did play growing up either they even burnt out after college and I took those years off and here I am still doing what I love. And they're like, man, I wish I could do that. Or, you know, and they still can, but they all have good careers going on here too. So it's no, um, it's nothing to be uh, mad about or nothing like that. But yeah, I mean, I was supposed to play there and just wasn't getting the good energy. So I just was like, you know, forget it. You know, just my dad was like, what are you doing? You're going to lose your scholarship. And, I just wasn't like, I just told him I just wasn't hungry enough, you know what I mean? And, and it wasn't because of me. Sometimes you you've got to be motivated. Like, I, I'm a hard worker. Most of my coaches push me, and I can go out there and, and it'll practice on my own. But if I don't if I don't feel like I'm getting any better, where's the motivation, you know? So kind of lost it. And then when I got out of, you know, school, I went back to where my my home was. WTEF to, you know, help out in the office. Didn't want to step on the tennis court, but had so many ex-players or or people still gunning for my spot. And I was like, dude, I haven't played tennis in like a whole year or two years or three years, four years, et cetera. And they still was challenging me, man. That's what the funny part was. Like, I can probably beat you now. And then one day I just picked the racket up, went out there and just, man, Still put a hurting on those kids, like, dude, I, I don't even play tennis no more, you know. But that, um, that, that was when the day started, you know. Like, it wasn't the official day that I was like, oh, I'm coming back to tennis, but it was definitely that day where I was like, man, you still got it, man. You shouldn't have gave up. So we should try to see where this can take us, you know. And then 
from working in the office, went to working with kids every day, two hours after school, which wasn't paying nothing. And I mean, the story is cool, but you know, like, I think uh, it all started at City Open, man, to be honest with you, like coming back into the sport where I just was working just for a check, man, just trying to some summer money, you know, and I thought I was going to just be doing operations and doing all the behind the scenes work to run the tournament and uh which which is what I was doing they were like look we got a player uh Rajiv Ram he needs somebody to play with and uh we need somebody to warm him up they knew me and one other person played tennis and they were like they gave me a racket and I was like oh man I it's like <laughs> I don't even play for real for real but I can play and of course, man, for a whole hour, I was, like, so out of shape. But he didn't kick me off the court, and I was like, whoo, I made it. You know, that was the goal right there. Like, don't get kicked off the court. Like, as a, as a player, I don't care if you haven't played in, like, 10 years. That would probably be embarrassing, you know. So I made it through that, and then from there on out, they were like, oh, man, they you could go play with uh, this person or that person, Tip Saravich, Monfils. Nisha Core and I'm like running from court to court. So this has been it's been fun, man. Like honestly, and I built some relationships with these players where I do work at Indian Wells now. So when I see them, they're like, Oh, what's up, man? What you doing here? And they like, You warming up? And you know, not a, I don't do too much warming up at Indian Wells. The site is so huge over there, but City Open is so small, I can do a few things. I can take care of uh court and be uh hitting with somebody almost and you know, not too too much to to go around so I think that was like when I really got back into it and um I mean I still don't play much tournaments but I try to play you know it's it's kind of hard when when um you can I can't compete you know the last time I played and I made it to the quarterfinals like super easy but it's like oh man like the bodies is not in shape and here you are about to play a kid that goes to UCLA and he trains every day when you work and you sit on the couch, eat pizza and be fat. But <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, good little, good little experience, you know, like who knows if I had the time, I will probably, you know, work out, train. I mean, I know the director at city open has given me a wild card. So I have played in the wild card challenge tournament and you know play escobedo usa zone uh tennis player up and coming guy real good super big hitter and uh my goal was just to get one game once they gave me the wild card i was like man what i like fly into town haven't played tennis in like uh really like you know a month or two just coaching man you know when, it's, when you coach you don't really sit there and practice your game focus on that i'm just working on little kids and older ladies and you know they were like yeah man we got a spot and in the wild card you want to play and i would have been crazy i was like really you asking me this because as a competitor i'm going to say yes even though I'm, i might know i'm going to lose but i'm gonna I'm a compete i just want to see where i'm a you know fall you know and umpires and fans were like dude you were playing pretty good like you were like one point from taking a lot of games and I was like yeah that's how serious it is you know it's no it's no joke where you can actually play but those those guys that actually do this day in day out they eat tennis they sleep tennis 
they brush their teeth tennis, you know. So, of course, I mean, that guy exposed me. Not really. I just had fun, you know, and it was a good experience and made me go back and want to work on myself, my body. And, you know, I'm not out here training right now, but maybe I might get back out here and train and be one of the oldest pros on tour. Who knows? You never know, right? Yeah, I mean, and uh, I mean, clearly, it's just incredible, you know, like how much of a level you need to have even to practice with these players or the the best in the world. And so I'm wondering, you know, when you practice with these players, is is there a commonality in the types of like warm up and drills and things that you're doing with them uh, when you practice? I mean, eh, when I practice, the focus for me is the ball, you know, like a lot of people I know that hit with some pros, I had to, um, I was being, one year I was being used so much that I was like, look, we need somebody else to come here with these pros, man. So, and that year wasn't that great because the people I, you know, told to come in were starshook, I would say, you know, a little nervous, you know, shanking balls here and there, maybe not making the practice. So, you know, I treat every practice as if, I'm playing with my friends, you know, like, let's go out here, hit some balls. Um, of course, it's a lot easier when you see them miss because then that helps you relax. But, you know, whatever they whatever they want, that's what I'm there for. If it's to drill, I'm there drilling it. If not, I'll pick up balls, you know, or, you know, just like keep 50 balls in, that's my goal. Keep 55 balls in, 60 balls in. But, the, I mean, it's it's a little weird because you never hit with that person. You don't really, you know, know how they're going to strike the ball. But once you step on the court and they put the ball in play, it's just what you know, what I've been doing since I was six years old, man, like 25 years of tennis. It's, you step out there, hit a ball. You know, it's not like uh, even I, I don't care if it's like I never played with Roger Federer, but I, I can I can't see Federer complaining if you're keeping balls in play, helping them get a good warm-up for a match, you know? Gotcha. And that's very interesting, I mean, because, you know, it seems like the way to get past the nerves is to just, like you said, focus on the ball and just try to have that mentality of I'm trying to help these players, you know, be the best they could be for their matches. Is that kind of like your mentality then and your approach to it? Yeah, I mean, all right. So my mentality is, especially at City Open, is to help, help these players most like my when I first started playing city like working at city open and hit with players it was weird because everybody would win you know and I would be like oh it's not really my warm-up it's because you really got my blessings to play on my my home tennis course where I grew up <laughs> and um they would win like uh Monfils, I first time I hit with him ever in life do make it to the finals you know didn't win the tournament he had a long match semifinals against uh, Isner. We stayed up to like three in the morning watching that match because of the rain. And um, it was just weird, man. Like everybody, even the women, when they started coming, you know. And then so like recently, like last year, like I was hitting with everybody. So everybody can't win, win them all. You know, like uh, I remember uh, Dog Apollo, he won the whole tournament. I practiced with him every day, you know, and. I remember the interview. He was like, "Oh, thanks to my, thanks, thanks to Leon for hitting with me every wow. day." And he didn't even thank his coach. You know, his coach, 
his coach and I joke about it. Like, Jack, like, man, I'm still can't believe that guy. You know, Jack's a cool guy, man, Australian <laughs> dude. But uh, dog, every time I every time I see dog, you know, he sees me in D.C. or if it's in Indian Wells, I go looking for him in Indian Wells because he sees, like, where's Leon. So we have a little relationship, man. And I think um, as far as that, man, it's just more like give them the best practice not that like they're they're gonna have ever, but like a good warm up, you know. I had a solid warm up. I can't complain. I'm warm. It's ready to go to war, you know. Like other people, some people won't be satisfied. Like my story, I have a story with uh, Eugenie Bouchard. You know, Eugene had played a match. She warmed up with me, and I was probably that same year. I played with everybody. A little burnt out running from court to court, hitting with guys. And the humidity is so super high back home. And I had probably didn't even have any food in my stomach. So my, my objective was just to keep the ball going, right? I'm rolling balls in, rolling balls in. And she did not like that. Like, she was getting pissed. So um, she was like, he needs to hit the ball harder. But her coach was like, man, he's doing all right. He's keeping balls in. You know, like, nothing to complain about. Uh She's like, oh, it's not enough pace and blah, blah, blah. And so I, that was the first time I was asked to leave a little early off the court. Had been out there for a whole 40 minutes, too. Like, I mean, could have let me finish the practice. And so she plays her match. She loses her match. And then it was like some well, she, some excuse like she didn't get a good warm-up or something. And I had to laugh it off because it was like, oh, well, I mean, everybody else won. So. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. You can't win them all, you I know. mean, I see – yeah, can't win them all, and I'm not going to be responsible for how they play or nothing like that. So I had to just like, ah, oh, the, the curse is over that most, you know, most of them play and win and stuff like that. The more you play with me, the more you win. And I think it was the same year Dimitrov came here, and I also hit with him. And he's a man, Dimitrov, still cool. He didn't play that good. He know he didn't play that good when he lost. Him. He didn't look at me and say, oh, this is my warm up. You know, he let. He looked at himself and said he could have played better. Like that's the art of tennis, you know, like and people. So right, right, right. And and so Leon, um, you know, from your memory of hitting with all these great players, like who is who's like one of the chillest players, and then who is one of the most like intense players that you practice with? Ah, oh, that's a good question, man. Um, one of the chillest players would probably be John Isner. Mm. Guy, big dude, nice guy, you know. A little it's a little tense on the court when you got like he has his team out there, one behind you, two on each side of the net post, <laughs> coach behind him, you know, so it's like man, we really have, we really going at it like Rolling right deep. now. But uh but but honestly when the ball is in play, it's just relaxed, man. It's so chill, it's so calm and it's actually nothing to be afraid of when you walk in or looking across the net and almost see a guy who looks like double your height. You're like trying to jump up and just like, oh my God, like how tall is this guy? You know? So, I mean, he was definitely one of the chillest guys I practiced with multiple times. So it's not like I just practiced with him once. And, um, and also another chill guy was Dimitrov. You know, Dimitrov had a lot of pointers for me. Hmm. And um, he was just like, he was like, relaxed, man. He also told me some places to come out. I told him I was living in LA. He was like, man, if you can make it to 
San Bernardino. He used to train up there. He told me to go check that out. He, he told me a lot of stuff, you know. We took some pics and stuff like that, and everything was was pretty good, you know. If I had to say my most intense practice, oh, man. Ah, oh, that's tough, man. Uh, it'll probably go back, way back to, like, to Cervic uh, to or um, maybe even, um, ooh, let's see, Monfils was an intense practice. Because hmm, he seems kind of relaxed. So I wouldn't have thought that. But... He relaxed, but it was like, he was like, <laughs> if you watch him practice, he practices, his practice is way different from his play. His play is showing his athletic ability. His practice shows his potential. So mm-hmm. his practices do was like cracking forehand, backhand. I mean, return. Like he made my serve look like a second baby serve. You know, like he like pretty much slap shotted it as if he was hitting a volley at the net and it mm-hmm. still went in from the baseline. So, and I wasn't like giving him any heat or anything. I was just trying to serve him, put some balls in the box little return but it was like when he smacked it and the people there was watching we all had to laugh was like i look back and laugh like this is crazy you know like (laughs) i mean dude is uh you seen stadium court at the city open Mm -hmm. it's kind of lower the dude jumped up over to the chairs not grabbing anything you know that's probably like a 10 foot nine foot jump you know, and he jumps clear over because I hit a ball over that the little gating to separate the seats from the court. So his coach is like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> He's like, "Man, you know." But like, he, he hits super big, you know. Um, and uh, last person I would say, of course, is Nisha Core. You know, it doesn't say much, you know. So it's super tense, you know. I mean. Real tight. His coach is barely going to say anything to you. And he's probably, if he says anything, he's talking to them. And he's not telling you, like, how he wants you to, where he wants you to hit the ball, nothing like that. And, um, I mean, he won his final, too, that time. I won him up, so that was pretty cool, man. But I won't take any credit for those finals. Those guys go out there and bust their butts, you know. I have nothing to do with it. It's just a good luck charm for him. And uh, I hope it stays that way unless I decide to wake up one day and just feel like I'm 21 again and start training for next year's City Open. (laughs) Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Man, yeah, I hope they give you, you know, another wild card for sure. But, you know, Leon, I, I need your help. I need you to give me the secrets here. So I, I'm first curious about, you know, what level would you say you need to be to be a practice partner for for these pros at, at the City Open or other tournaments? Um, Honestly, I would say top 10 junior in your section, uh, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that'll be the best way to start. For me, it was just a little luck. I would say just working and being in the right place, you know, and just doing a, a good job. You know, you 
do good work wherever you are in this world. Somebody will find you and have you continue to do that work. If it's for them or if it's for yourself, it's always for us. So I would say that junior tournament level, you know, top 10, you know, I mean, I feel like if you aren't top 10, your focus isn't all the way there. However, you can still play. You still hit a ball that has nothing to do with it. But if, if you really focused about it, maybe like top top 10, top 15 in your section. And from there on out, collegiate players, of course. Um, I mean, if you're an adult and you your dream is to be a hidden partner, don't let me set you can prove me wrong. You know, I just, it's all about just going out there and doing what you know how to do. Like it's, of course you're playing with, you know, the world's top athlete of the sport, but if you can get over that, who knows? I mean, I'm sure I can find a 12 year old kid that can go out there and practice with some pros that, that you would probably question yourself and say, damn, who's 12. You know, like, I mean, it just all depends on who you are, but if it was the, if it was a, like I had to break it down or I had to pick, I would, you know, say junior. You know, it could be six, 14 and under, 16 and under, of course, 18 and up. I mean, of course, the older you are, I feel like the more confidence you have and you're not as shy, but, you know, and you can go out there and show your talent. It just all depends on who you are, man. That's That's where, I mean, that's all it is. Gotcha. Appreciate that information, Leon. Yeah, for sure. And and I'm also curious, um, because I, I know you were on the inside and obviously you're a great player too. That's why they picked you. But how about I mean I mean, do you get people who are not like affiliated with, with WTF and they just like from the oh, outside yeah. and they apply? Yeah. Like like how many of those people do you get? I, mean, and, I, and... I started something, man. I would like to say I started something, but yeah, I mean I had some people on the outside that just played tennis, hit with me a little bit. They started doing it, and then next next year it was like I don't know if they spread it the word or somebody was like I don't know read the paper about the inspiring courts person that works City Open that practices with players, suck up the court and still plays a match. If, if they read that article and that inspired them, so let it be it. But um, yeah, man, it's just like most kids or guys my age that want to be a partner, uh, they can call you know the tournament director or i wouldn't say the director just call a tournament talk to like them who's in ahead of court see who that person is talk to them see if they need anybody because they will as the tournament goes on or as it starts there's so many people there and everybody wants to play because this is what they do and they're going to need somebody to practice with and of course it's always better to have more than one or two people because, you know, depending on how big the term is, want to keep people happy, the players happy. So what, what do they do? They play tennis and they're going to need somebody to play with. If they can't play with their coach or if they're not playing with another player, like suppose if um, then you had to play and we're both in a tournament, we're not going to want to practice with each other. So you're going to have to find each of us a practice partner or we find us a practice partner and we both use different times on the court with that practice partner. So I think that, um, that was what they started doing, started taking, um, a few people and, you know, not giving them an interview, but just seeing what their availability is throughout the tournament. What time can they get there to practice throughout the week for the players? And then from there on out, it's just, 
hey man, I need you at this court. I need you now. You're gonna play with this person or whatever it is, you know. And and it's been a lot better for me because I mean, DC man is in in August is is brutal. <laughs> I know. So imagine sure. uh, being the only hidden partner or you know and not getting arrest from one court to the that's pretty much a day at practice right is without a coach just going from one court to hit almost to the tournament like six o'clock you know you've been out there practicing since 10 o'clock in the morning since the first person got there all the way to almost the last person about to play a match so i'm so happy for that you know i mean i don't I don't get to pick or choose who I get to play with. Like I said, it doesn't matter. But as the tournament goes on at City, they always tell people, hey, man, Leon's been here for 10 years doing this. So as the tournament gets, you know, smaller and smaller, he's probably going to be the guy who hits with those players, you know, like – Right. And that's, that's, that's awesome. And I, I assume that, you know, like if a hundred people sign up the tournament director or whoever's probably going to check out their rankings and what they did, right? Like there's some sort of vetting process, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, of course the ranking makes it a lot easier um, because if they don't know you, you know, they're going to have to go off a of word of mouth. I mean, most, most places that I've tournaments that I've been to not necessarily work. They're always looking for, uh, for the college player, you know, that way it's no, it's not too many misses. It's more like it's hit there. Like, you know, like can't miss it. It's hit or miss already, but if the guy is playing in college or the lady is playing in college, they know this person plays competitive. Let's get it on. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, junior is, is a little risky, but I think that's possible, but you can't go wrong. Like they co- coaches asked me all this year, are you play college? You play college? I was like, nah, I didn't play college, man. They was like, you don't play college? You didn't play college? You play pro? You play pro? And I'm like, nah, I don't really play pro. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, you know, it's expensive, man. And True. honestly, I'm only this good. I would say this good because I took those five, six years off of tennis in college. You know, like my body is still a little young. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I mean, uh, Tissy Pops that we were talking a lot. And he was just surprised, you know, that I didn't play college tennis or tennis on on tour, like the futures and challenges and stuff like that. And I was like, I I just, I don't know. I wanted to, but it's just expensive, a lot going on in life. It's just hard. You know how it is as a tennis player. He's like, wow, man. I mean, because I first met that guy, I first met his dad when he, he requested a player to come play with his son, right? And I didn't, I'm thinking, I don't know who I'm playing with. I just got to show up to this court and I'm going to warm up. I get to the court and there's no warm up. Like, no warm up. We got to go. Um, I need you to play a few tiebreakers. I need you to play tiebreaker. I was like, what a tiebreaker? It's like 10, it's 10 o'clock. The first man, I haven't even hit a ball today. He's like, oh, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Oh, and man. Surprisingly, I, I did all right. You know, like, I mean, if we kept score, it would have been 6-4, him. But for somebody who don't play, this is like the Greek guy. That's my, that's one of my new guys, man. I got to follow him. Hope he does have a good rest of the season and a good future. But, yeah, man, it was like, dude, this dude is a 19-year-old guy, man. And you just got four points off him playing a tiebreaker. I mean, so, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. You just got to make the best of each situation. That's what I would tell listeners, like, go out for your dream. 
I mean, sometimes your dreams won't always come true, but you'll land pretty close to them, and you'll have a, a blast doing it, man, for real. Yeah, for sure, Leon. Uh, yeah, Sitsipas is great. I actually had the pleasure of interviewing uh, him a couple times at the event uh, after his like round of 16 and quarters and really nice jovial guy and uh, so talented, had a great uh, year, especially at City Open and then uh, a few tournaments afterwards. And Leon, I know that uh, we're running out of time with you, but I'll try to sneak in a couple questions if it's possible. Uh, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned You know, from hitting with these like incredible top players? Um, the biggest lesson I probably learned is take care of your, take care of your body. If you can, while you're young, take care of your body, man, because these guys are just oil machines. Like, uh, we've been watching these guys. Most of these guys play their whole life since they've been on tour and they're no spring chicken. You know, they're, they're a little old out there too for some tennis years. And the thing that amazes me most is how will they stay in shape? You know, like, is it hard? I don't think it is once you start, but uh, you got to be consistent at doing it because if you don't, it can get hard, man. It can. And each year since I play at city open, I have gotten better shape, even though I'm not out here working to get in shape. I've gotten better shape. I can't sit here in line and say, Oh, I did. I never like was getting prepared to go warm up at the city open, you know? So it's helped me out a little bit, you know, 31 year old guy out here looking like in his mid twenties. And I feel like that's one of the keys is taking care of your body, making sure you eat good and enjoy it. You know, that that's pretty much it. That's awesome. And uh, another Question two, uh, just curious, you know, when you were warming up Zverev before his final, like, what's what's the feeling like? Because that is, like, quite an honor to, you know, be warming up somebody like him, like a top three player or whatever ranked he is at the, right now, you know, for yeah, a major Yeah, yeah, he's final. top three at the time. Right. Um, I guess, I mean, I don't know. It's a, like, at that moment, I would say, let's just give it, like, all I can think about is, the week is almost done. Final matches here. This is give this guy a good, a good, good warm up. You know, hopefully, hopefully he'll remember me if he wins. You know, but if not, it's all good. I, I'm sure he remembered me if he won't win because I'm just a good guy. But I mean, it's it was fun, man. Like I got like all the spectators, of course, because it's a bear, and they're like, "Who the hell is this kid?" You know, like, oh, "Where did he come from? Uh, who is he?" Does he play? They want to know all the questions. They want to know, can they get an autograph? I'm like, for me, you don't want my autograph. Once you get his, but um, <laughs> just think like uh, that. That's what it, you know, like when Ken was a bear mentality, was just like, let's go out here and have some fun. I mean, of course, those guys make it a lot easy for you because that's what they do. It's actually like a challenge, you know. It's like you have to challenge yourself to give this guy a good warm up because you know he's gonna play good, you know, like. Will he have his best warm-up? Probably not, but I think that depends on how well the hidden partner, you know, does. You know, it's their responsibility to, you know, hold that and utilize it. Like, okay, it's my job to warm this guy up. Let me give him a good warm-up because that's what they will want. And for next time, if I can do it next time, I want them to be like, hey, where's Leon or where's Daniel or Michael or – Sabrina, whoever it is, you know, like you go out there, it's always like representing yourself. Uh, the first time is always going to be how somebody always looks at you, you know, and if you can give that person 
a good warm up. I'm guarantee you can probably say, hey man, I gotta. You don't even know. I'm cool with Djokovic. Or I'm cool with Monfils, and and people be like, oh yeah, right. Until you go to a tournament and they come to you and give you a handshake and they're like, oh, I didn't. He <laughs> like, I told you, man. Like, like seriously, man. Like, oh, I saw you hanging out with Monfils. I was trying to ask, can you ask if I can get a picture? And, you know, like, <laughs> you feel entitled to, like, a little power right there. And, you know, because you feel like somebody, you know, you like, you still want it and you always want them to come back and be like, I want to hit with this. I know this guy can hit. Let me hit with him. Or, I know, he can hit. She can hit. Let me hit with her. So uh, these are, these little secrets is just about being pretty much who you are, you know, like, don't, let the, the, you know, the rankings uh, scare you. Actually, let the ranking, you know, build you up. Go out there and try to see if you can get some points off of that person. That might bring out the best of your tennis. Because, honestly, growing up, I always played better tennis playing against the, the better players. And I feel like everybody does. Whoever plays against good players, they normally play better than they normally do. You know, that's just the art of tennis. Yeah, definitely agree with that, man. And I uh, really, really love the dedication and passion. A lot of, a lot of gold nuggets in this interview for sure. Uh, Leon, so where can people uh, follow you? Uh, you know, whether like you're in your social profiles or anywhere else. I'm on Instagram, man, at Believe in LV. Um, just one word, at Believe in LV. And you can find me. You'll see it says Leon V. You can follow me. I mean, I don't follow everybody. So I will have to accept. Um, been following a lot of people recently since people have been asking me about playing and stuff like that. But I mean, any pointers you got, you got fall in my inbox or whatever. If you're looking to hit with somebody in Cali on a level like that, you can hit me up. Tell me, you know, to coordinate something. But uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of you know a lot of places to to connect. You know, and I'll probably be floating around, not just in California. So, um, you know, if you feel like, hey, you be in D.C., you know, I'm trying to play. You can always hit me up, man. I'm not too good to hit with anybody. That's the best part about hitting with the pros. I found out that I'm not too good to hit with anybody. I will hit with anybody that is willing to try to play, you know? Love that, man. Love that. And, yeah, I I always close with this one question, Leon. So, uh, for our audience, what is one key tip that you can give them to help them improve their tennis games? Uh, man, prove your tennis game. I want to say consistency. All right. No matter which shot it is, if it's your forehand, your backhand, whatever shot you're good at, make the other one just as good as that shot because if you can be consistent on both sides, it's going to be a really tough opponent. Whatever it is, consistency, man, that's the biggest thing, you know, like go hit a hundred backhands and, and 20 minutes and then go do it again in another 20 minutes and keep doing it until you feel like, Hey, you can do it in your sleep. You know, like that's what makes you almost like an adult, almost like a Djokovic, you know, like almost like a Federer. Because they just look calm at doing it, you know. I feel like uh, we all can do the same things. It's just about how well or how much confidence, you know. And if you're consistent, you'll be super confident. That's what I learned. 
Right. I love that, Leon. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on to the Tennis Files podcast and giving us this really cool insight, man, into just uh, how you became a practice partner and what it takes to be successful in there and, and hitting and becoming friends with the best in the world. So I really appreciate you coming on and uh, wish you the best of luck. And well, I'm no looking problem, forward man. to no problem. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thank and you. looking forward to seeing you, uh, you know, on the courts again. So all the best, Leon. For sure. Thanks, man. All right. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Leon Vessels. Uh, really appreciate you coming on to the show, Leon, and really had a blast uh, speaking about your outlook on tennis and how you got into the business of practicing with the greatest players on the planet and appreciate your tips for us on how we can become better tennis players. So really enjoy that episode uh, with Leon. Uh, and I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that in iTunes. Uh, you can go to tennisfiles.com backslash iTunes. Or you can just you know go to your favorite app of your choice on your phone or computer and to leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. It helps bring more visibility to the podcast. And so I just want, uh, you know, all the great information in this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So uh, a review from you, uh, honest re review would really help. I appreciate it. And so far, I've got 38 five-star reviews. So uh, everybody who left has, has left a review, I really do appreciate that from the bottom of my heart, for sure. So, um, and I also always like to leave you all with a quote at the end of the show. And today's quote is by Thomas Fuller. And he said, care and diligence bring luck. Love that quote. And if you'd like to see the show notes for this show and any associated links, you can go to tennisfiles.com slash 67. And once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tennis Files podcast. And I look forward to bringing you uh, many more great episodes. And so, again, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.